0: Welcome back to Scary Bear Attacks. Today's episode takes us to Waugh Mountain, just north of Cotopaxi, Colorado, around 80 miles south of Denver. This particular part of the Pike and San Isabel National Forest displays steep and rugged mountains covered in pine and fir trees predominantly. There are pockets of willow, aspen, and various berry bushes wherever water is present. The mountains are packed with deer and elk. But authorities are uncertain about just how many black bears live in the state of Colorado. Colin McClelland was from a very outdoorsy family. His father was a licensed outfitter in Colorado for 13 years, and Colin was a lumberjack and camped on Wa Mountain because he harvested timber from nearby timber stands. Colin had been working out of this area for several years and had a rash of bear problems for the last three. He called the Colorado Division of Wildlife last year when a bear broke into his camper and consumed all of his food. Lately, he had been having bears show up around his RV at night and scratch and sniff around his camp. Colin was smart enough to know not to leave anything that might attract a bear outside, but his camper was full of his own food as well, so he thought that is what must be bringing them back. Colin didn't know this, but four nuisance black bears were sedated, ear-tagged, then relocated to Wa Mountain since 1988. Now authorities know that one was run over and killed in the road, hunters killed two during hunting season, but one bear simply disappeared. This is the ideal situation for the Wildlife Management Authorities. They don't exactly like killing bears, even nuisance bears, as it is better to give them a second chance in a more remote area and allow nature to take its course. Any new entrant into prime bear territory will have to fit in with the established bear pecking order and may die if it doesn't do so, soon after being released. Colin hadn't been feeling well the last few days and was taking some pretty strong flu medicine to help him recover. Harvesting lodgepole pines was tiring work and being sick while doing it made it even more tiring. On top of that, Colin had had several run-ins with local black bears. It was fairly normal for him to hear them sniffing around at night, but they had become more aggressive and more frequent in their visits. It almost seemed like they had accepted him as part of their surroundings, and now they were just going to treat him like they do every other animal. The respect boundaries would definitely have to be reestablished, but first, he would need to recover from this flu. On Friday, August 13, 1993, Colin prepared dinner over the stove in his camper. He thought about how he would have to climb back on top of his RV and sleep up there again. He had to do it the last several nights, due to all the bear activity at night, and he didn't feel safe inside of it. His friends had recently loaned him a rifle big enough to handle any bears that might give him any problems, but he was sure they would just move on once they figured out that he wasn't going to feed them or bother them. He just wanted to be left alone to do his work. After eating dinner, Colin felt too sick to try to climb to the roof, so he decided to take the flu medicine and sleep inside the RV. He loaded up on a decent dose of flu medicine and promptly crawled into bed. Hopefully this would be the last night that he would be so sick and lose work. As Colin drifted off to sleep, the aroma from the dinner he cooked wafted gently up the valley through the trees and into the noses of bears in the area. A 240-pound black bear, very familiar with Colin's camp, decided he would wander through and look for something easy to eat and admired the delicious aromas emanating from the giant metal box. As the boar approached, it sniffed around the perimeter of the RV and there wasn't any area where the scent of food was particularly strong, that is, until he sniffed the air coming from the crack in the door. The bear wasn't hesitant about getting at that food and immediately set his claws in the crack of the door and began prying at it. The noise of the bear prying at the door brought the medically induced slumber of Collins to a terrifying end. He sat up in bed and watched the door bend as the bear pulled and wrenched at the bottom He quickly grabbed the rifle his friend loaned him and fired a shot through the door at where he thought the bear would be. This did not slow the bear down, as it continued to pull at the door. The locking mechanism finally failed due to the power of the bear, and the door flew open. The bear didn't pause to sniff around at what made the aroma in the air. It didn't lick any bowls or plates, nor did it raid the fridge for a snack. The hungry boar immediately attacked Colin while he was still near his bed. The fight was not a long one. The bear immediately crushed Cullen's skull and took his life. The authorities say it could have been related to food, but probably also had a factor of exerting dominance over Cullen. The bear consumed part of Cullen while in the RV and then went and bedded down to sleep off his feast for a day or so. It then returned and fed again on Cullen's remains. The third time the bear returned to Cullen's RV, he dragged the young man's remains out about 30 yards from the entrance. A few days later, Collins' friends showed up to check on him and see if he was feeling better. They were saddened to see his remains as they approached his RV. They immediately contacted authorities to report the passing of their friend. Wildlife management officers set a live catch trap near Collins' trailer and immediately killed the bear that was caught. This bear was a very healthy 240-pound boar black bear and had been shot in its side. The bullet wound was about the same height as the bullet hole through the RV door. Its blood was tested for a protein present after eating human flesh, and the protein was was not present. Nothing was in the bear's digestive tract except the bait that was used in the trap. Authorities are not sure if they have the bear who killed Colin or not. The only other bear tracks around his RV were from a smaller sow. After performing a necropsy on the carcass, authorities would call this bear in fantastic shape, and roly-poly, and even chunky as well as way better than average when commenting about the health and fitness of the bear. Authorities urge calm and say that if you see a bear with a tag in its ear and are planning on calling authorities to deal with it, they'll kill that bear. The tag in its ear is placed the first time they have a nuisance call about the bear. There is a two-strike rule they use when it comes to nuisance bears. Division of Wildlife Officer Rob Velarde says that people are becoming more tolerant when speaking of the bears in the area. Al McClellan, Colin's father, says, I can't get back my son. That's a done deal. But this business of killing bears is not any different than killing Indians, and that's how we won the West. It's just a continuation of that line of thought. I don't believe the answer is killing bears, McClellan says. I think the answer is limiting development. He's come out suggesting a moratorium on subdivisions and building permits until an environmental impact study can analyze the stressors that affect wildlife such as bears. The last recorded bear fatality in Colorado prior to this was in 1971. In 1992, Colorado voters voted to ban hunting bears over bait with hounds and in spring or summer seasons. This leaves only the fall for hunters to harvest bears. Colorado Wildlife Management authorities are currently evaluating a zone-based plan to balance black bear populations across the state.